0: Hello, I'm Jen Ophoff-Grey, founder and artistic director of Forward Theatre Company, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to Episode 64 of Theatre Forward, and I am thrilled to be talking with Dr. Baron Kelly and the marvelous Marty Gobel today. Good morning, good morning, good morning, morning. Barron is a professor in the theater and drama department at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, he earned his PhD in theater research here, uh, a diploma from London's Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and an MFA in acting from California State University, Long Beach. He's got a resume as long as my arm, filled with credits as an actor and a director, we're so glad that he has returned to make Madison his home base. Marty Goebel is an actor, director, and teaching artist acclaimed by audiences across Wisconsin, having appeared on most of the state's professional stages. Based for many years in Milwaukee, she was founding artistic director of Uprooted Theater, a company that celebrated Black artists. Forward audiences know her from her roles in Mr. Burns, a post-electric play, and Skeleton Crew, among others, and as the director of Exit Strategy by Ike Coulter. And she's now based in San Diego, California. Welcome, Baron and Marty. Hi! So good to have you here. And you're both working here at Forward right now um, on our production of Mom. How did you meet the Beatles? By Adrian and Adam Kennedy, Baron as director, and Marty playing Miss Kennedy herself. So I thought we would just begin our conversation talking about the legendary Adrian Kennedy and Baron. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your prior encounters with her work.
1: Well, uh, you know, I read some of her work and. I've seen a couple of productions. The first production I saw, uh, a production of her play in New York, Funny House of Negro. Um, and it was pretty interesting to me, uh, but I didn't really think about uh, her background as a writer. Of course, you know, when you're talking about August Wilson and all these other writers, you know, you sort of know about their background and the sort of ethos that created there. Dramaturgy and such. And I didn't give too much thought about uh, Adrienne Kennedy's uh, background and what went into her uh, dramaturgy until I started working on this play. And I didn't realize how complex a woman uh, she uh, is and how much that complexity was fed by her uh, generational pull of being born at a particular time in this country and the different facets that have made her up, uh, you know, into this wonderful playwright, dealing with issues of race and and theater and the power of the image and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And I know that this particular time period in theater history is one that is really resonant for you. I know when I first sent you the script, you got really excited about it.
1: Well, I'm a geek, you know, I mean, I started, thinking about acting being, you know, when I was seven or eight years old, watching black and white movies on television, certainly, and crying, looking at movies like The Grapes of Wrath and The Tale of Two Cities and not understanding why that really was happening to me. Uh, But that started a love of me just wanting to know about these um, particular actors and directors, the same way that uh, Audrey Kennedy became immersed in uh, the world of uh, cinema at, uh, certainly during the 1930s. She was born in 31. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're speaking to the choir here when it comes to that sort of undermining or, 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 you know, going underneath these people's histories and stuff like that, you know? So I love this stuff.
0: Marty, how about you? Had you encountered her work as a reader or a performer or a director? I had
2: uh, read Funny House of a Negro many years ago and uh, then, of course, reread it once Um, it it was clear that I was going to be working on this project and then just took a deep dive. There's so much about the the late 60s and through the 70s that we know because of just all of the tales that are out there, my particular interest was always the music. And so um, my love of the Beatles certainly um, is able to be tapped. my genuine love of the Beatles was certainly able to be tapped in approaching this role. But then as I dug in, what an incredible woman. And by all accounts, a, a woman that appears fragile and timid And yet, as I've been working through this story, I'm coming to find out that, you know, still waters and all that, and the books in their covers, and she really just went for things and took great leaps of faith and made a lot of assumptions on what was going to positively happen for her. And you hear about these during the course of the play. Also, as a mother,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did not believe she was dragging this 5-year-old all over London. <laughs> <Yeah>. By herself, <laughs> by herself. Yeah, it's been really uh, wonderful um over the last year or so to see Kennedy finally I think starting to get her due as the the landmark artist that that she was and is. Um, It's remarkable to me how many theater artists don't know her work today. Um, It's one of the reasons we wanted to do this play um, because I think that our audience, um, if they didn't already know her and most of them probably didn't, I think they'll be excited about this opportunity to get to know her and her work. Um, But it it is nice to see that a lot of people are now calling calling on her, calling out her work and it's importance. She just got a the Dramatists Guild, right? Just gave her the Lifetime Achievement Award. There's a bunch of other recognition finally coming her way um, later than it should be, but yeah, better late than never, right? And she's still here to
1: appreciate. And she's still yes, here to appreciate. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Yeah, um, so that's, that's really uh, one of the things I'm most excited about with producing this play is the story itself, but also just the opportunity to celebrate this phenomenal voice and acknowledge that um, the presence of brilliant black playwrights in America, other than August Wilson, you know, does predate the 21st century. Hear, hear. You know, uh, there's a lot out there and, you know, we should pay a little more attention.
1: Uh, what, uh, I, if I may ask a question, uh, how did the <laughs> play come to your, um, you know, how did it come to your purview?
0: You know what, it, this play came to my attention, um, oh, I don't know, a year, like 15 months ago, something like that um uh, one of the publishing houses that we work with concord theatricals um put out a list i think they were thinking of it in the context of covid because they're like here's a list of small cast plays and i wasn't particularly in the market for a small cast play we're trying to employ a lot of people so that wasn't the draw but they listed this play and honestly i had never heard of it i had studied kennedy's work back when i was in college so it was obviously her earlier work not her more recent work because that was a little while ago, um, so I I I knew of of her her body of work and I had not heard of this piece, um, and certainly it had a surprising title, for everything that I knew about Kennedy's other work. Uh, so I just said, "Yeah, send me that script. I want to take a look at it." Um, and I was just completely, completely drawn in. You know, being a little bit of a geek like you, Baron, for theater history. Um, And I I loved the story she was telling as a mom, Marty, to your point, I loved this dynamic of her with her son. Um, But I was also just really sucked in. I think I would have been at any time, but especially reading it last summer. I loved that this was a play that could hold two things in its mind at the same time. Adrian's excitement, and awe and positivity and energy about being in London and in this milieu with all of these incredible artists and her confidence in herself and in her work. And at the same time, this underlying story of how easy it was for a patriarchal and racist world to just push her aside. And I thought that that combination of those two things really um, moved me and excited me. So yeah. That that's that's what drew me in, Baron. It's beautiful. And knowing that I uh, knew some really great artists like yourselves who could uh, bring this to life. I'm curious, you know, talking back about um, last year and just thinking about what a what an incredible stretch of time this 18 months has been in our field, um, with the shutdowns and um, a lot of trauma in the industry. Um, I would love to just kind of hear what this time period has been like for each of you. Um, maybe I'll start with you, Baron, but and then we'll go to Marty.
1: Well, I, I've been able to be busy and still work. I mean, I was in the midst of a production of Streetcar Named Desire that was getting ready to open. And now it's just in the memories of the, the actors that were involved in that production. Uh, and since then, you know, I've seen how Zoom started taking over um you know with all of these performances and you know a lot of well known actors have been doing these performances and so you know i stayed busy i did a, a couple of really good zoom productions and my writing has been wonderful i've been highly productive and i just uh, finished uh, filming an adaptation of king lear in california for one of the shakespeare festivals which was tremendous so i've been uh, pretty busy, but it's also been a year of loss. I mean, I lost one of my cousins, not because of COVID, but right as COVID was raging and other actors that uh, are well known in New York City who had passed away. So it's been a very sad year for me, Um, but also one of uh, a lot of productivity. So, you know, just trying to, just trying to keep steady steady as she goes
0: Mm -hmm. and you moved here to madison during all of
1: this yeah exactly you know people thought i was absolutely crazy and um it was uh i moved i was in a different in a different part of town and now i've moved to a, a completely different part of town, which is the opposite of where i was before which feels more at home to me um And you know, I started, and and as a matter of fact, I traveled overseas after California, so I went to Croatia. So I had a chance to get out of the US and I'm usually overseas during the summers, uh, teaching in Amsterdam and such. And so this was a a time for me to rejuvenate my thought processes before coming to start this uh, play. So I'm just very blessed and very fortunate.
0: How about you, Marty? You had a move during all this too. I did. It had been
2: decided, um, you know, long before we had announced it, that we would move back to San Diego for family reasons. San Diego is my hometown. So uh, it's really been interesting being in my childhood um, home and seeing (laughs) what my son has done to my old room Uh and the, my mom's room is now my husband and I's room. But, you know, to me, there was a lot of things that happened in the course of theater Um, but I did keep working. I actually saw no change in work. I uh, did five um, productions and Was adjunct at three universities, which was incredibly challenging to teach acting. Um, I teach to young actors acting 101 and acting for non-majors and um, to teach them the skills that they needed in order to move forward with their degree was very difficult. Um, Just, you know, how do you, how do you watch someone's breathing and the subtleties of their body over Zoom? So that 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 was challenging, but we got through, and I was able to adjust. And that is what I, when I look back, I'm realizing you know things must keep moving and changing. And sometimes the impetus for that change is not a negative, but there can be personal profit in crisis. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> um, but just exploring um, more theater works and readjusting what what theater is and how it's produced, and I certainly came out with an understanding of what think I think theater is not,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and that the change was good. And of course, everybody knows I'm very uh, we have a very close nuclear family, and uh, we had a really great time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I did. So <laughs> talk more about what you were saying, learning sort of what theater is and what it is not. I'm, I'm just curious. Talk, talk more about that.
2: I think that a lot of people were trying to scramble. I know that a lot of people were trying to scramble to uh, just kind of keep some portion of their season alive. And what it led to immediately was that uh, we were just going to make theater into movies. And theater is not movies. It's not written like that. It's not designed like that. And I, I found that after a while, I actually did stop watching um, recorded versions of plays because I just, I thought I could watch a movie. I would rather just wait. But it it also became um, very clear to me what, um, you know, auditory landscape that people were able to find in the course of all of this. But, you know, our profession is dependent on us gathering and watching a play on zoom or backyard or any of these, you know, platforms that have jumped up is, is not gathering. It's just the bastard child of voyeurism, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um, And The one good thing that came out of this, or two things, I guess, is I think people are now going, we need to make adjustments for people that can't come into our our space, even if it's not a pandemic. How can we make adjustments and continue to share? And that led to some really small local companies being able to have their work produced and shown nationally, which is fantastic. I truly believe that someone just hasn't figured it out yet. And the, the idea of what's that new thing that no one's thought of yet, that's going to come out of this is very exciting. And I wait with bated breath to see
0: what that is. Mm, I love that. And it's, it's wonderful hearing both of you talk about uh, all the work that you, that you were able to do. Do during this time because we all know, and we've certainly talked about it on this podcast over the last year and a half, that yes, it has been a time of enormous um, financial and emotional pain for for our industry as a whole and for many, many, many individual artists. But theater didn't stop either. There was it did not. This theater did not stop, and we all. Did our best and learned as fast as we can. And I'm with you, Marty. I don't think filmed theater is theater, but I also think it's. I think there, when well done, there's a. It's a. It's a new art form. It's not film. It's not theater. But it is a way of sharing theater digitally. And so we all experimented a whole heck of a lot, and some things were super successful, and some were less so. But boy, as a field, we certainly um, accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. And and we kept, you know, quite a few people busy. And so we don't like to talk about theater being back now because it didn't go away. But we we can talk about the joy of being reunited with our audience.
1: I, I also was tracking not just in the United States, but was happening in Europe with what theater companies were doing uh, outside uh, and these particular kinds of installations that people were doing, particularly in Germany and the eastern uh, in eastern parts of Poland and such like that. And I thought that there was some very exciting work. And then people started doing that in New York when they were setting up these booths and doing things and out in the parks and all of that, like Van Cortlandt Park and Bryant Park and all that sort of stuff. So I thought that that was, I thought that that was very, very exciting to see what people were doing, you know, and, and still continuing to do. You know, we Mm -hmm. get sort of siloed in this country, I think. Uh, And, uh, you know, got to pay attention to the whole, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. So what's it been like being back in the rehearsal room on this on this project? Aaron?
1: I love it. I love it. Now, I, I, I am not being cavalier about this, but I was teaching face to face since the fall. So I figured it out with the particular classes that I had. I would have eight students in a class. So, you know, the way that I work, at least the the students really felt like they were activated. And when you approached me about this play, and I remember when Marty and I started talking to get to know each other because there was no way I was even going to begin to go into something like this unless i start to have a sense of who the lead actress you know was and so when i first came into the rehearsal hall and marty came in the room i did you not i just felt wow this is like home uh, this is somebody that I've known. This spirit, you know, that I have known for a while, and just the gathering of being able to create something in a professional situation—not in an academic situation, but in a professional situation in theater with this sort of piece—it was heaven to me. And Jennifer, I've told you this before—you have a tremendous staff around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage manager uh, Sarah is terrific, uh, and uh, Abby ASM assistant stage manager, uh, just terrific. So I felt at home. I felt at home. That's the best way I can describe it.
0: Mm, that's lovely. How about you, Marty? What's it been like working on this character with and being in rehearsal on this piece?
2: Um, almost utter and complete panic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It's a very interesting style. Uh, The, uh, the play is really written um, in uh, almost verbatim. And it's so it's her stream of consciousness. And it's a really great story where she says she felt great on this particular evening. And she was with Adam and she decided to tell him everything she remembered about that time. So she moves forward and she doubles back and she repeats and she repeats. And I'm finding now that a lot of it is not, repeating the fact of what's happening, it's repeating the emotion for what was happening to her. Mm -hmm. And uh that's been just really, really great. And just, you know, she was starstruck. Mm -hmm. Just starstruck. And, you know, the majority of these people in here, I mean, I would I would be overwhelmed myself. And I am no wilting flower. So, uh, just really understanding, um, the exciting and, uh, frustrating and wonderful time that she was navigating in, uh, has just been a pleasure. And then, you know, being in the room, it's hard to do this with a mask on. We're being very safe and just like on a slight, you know, political thing, um, there was a time when both my unions, I'm a member of both Actors' Equity Association and SAG-AFTRA, could not get together. And it it just stopped a lot of things for several months. So um, the appreciation that I feel as an artist that, OK, I think here we're coming back in so we can do this as we're supposed to do it. And what a great play for, to, to, to start. <laughs> With forward theater with, and of course, i'm I'm thrilled to be with my son.
0: So. yeah, tell me what it's like doing this play about a mother and son when your son is being played by your son.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we are we a lot of the um emotional work that we I would have to do with um someone that wasn't my son has been alighted, or actually we don't even have to work at it. we're very we're very close. And so we don't have to deal with crafting or showing our relationship it's it's palpable
0: it really um, i have to say and- coming in to watch the designer run it's like yep there it is
2: yeah i mean See he's my son and he loves me and i love him and then him as the character to hear what happened to his mother uh my own son gets upset as adam for what i don't want you know no spoilers yeah. For what is um, the path that his mother was on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that either one of you, you know, wanted to share about the process of, of, of doing this play or working, working together.
2: I think you guys should sell the soundtrack.
0: Oh yeah. it's good music. It's <laughs> a great music. <laughs> good music. It's
2: great music. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You've pulled together a, a great team, and, and to the folks that are listening, it's going to look and sound spectacular. Uh, so, you know, come on and support uh, Forward Theatre's opening production in the midst of uh, this pandemic. Oh.
0: Well, that. thank you. Thank you both for working on the show and for the really... Truly wonderful conversation. Uh, I'm going to say that that is all for this episode of Theatre Forward, a conversation about theatre in Wisconsin, the Midwest and America. Thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden. You can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theatre Forward, spelled with an E-R. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Be sure to leave us a review or a comment. And we are so grateful to have you listening. We will be back soon for another Theatre Forward Conversation.